0: Chapter four part one of the Teeth of the Tiger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Teeth of the Tiger by Maurice Leblanc. Chapter four. The Clouded Turquoise. It was about nine o'clock in the morning when the prefect of police entered the study in which the incomprehensible tragedy of that double murder had been enacted he did not even bow to don luis and the magistrates who accompanied him might have thought that don luis was merely an assistant of sergeant mazeroux if the chief detective had not made it his business to tell them in a few words the part played by the stranger m De desmalions briefly examined the two corpses and received a rapid explanation from mazeroux then returning to the hall he went up to a drawing-room on the first floor where madame fauville who had been informed of his visit joined him almost at once Parina, who had not stirred from the passage slipped into the hall himself the servants of the house who by this time had heard of the murder were crossing it in every direction he went down the few stairs leading to a ground-floor landing on which the front door opened there were two men there of whom one said you can't pass but you can't pass those are our orders your orders who gave them the prefect himself <laughs> no luck said Perenna, laughing, I've been up all night and I am starving. Is there no way of getting something to eat? The two policemen exchanged glances, and one of them beckoned to Sylvestre and spoke to him. Sylvestre went toward the dining-room and returned with a horseshoe-roll. Good, thought Don Luis, after thanking him. This settles it. I'm nabbed. That's what I wanted to know. But M. Desmalions is deficient in logic, for if it's Arsène Lupin whom he means to detain here, all these worthy plainclothesmen are hardly enough." and if it's don luis perenna they are superfluous because the flight of master perenna would deprive master perenna of every chance of seeing the color of my poor cosmo's shekels having said which i will take a chair he resumed his seat in the passage and awaited events through the open door of the study he saw the magistrates pursuing their investigations The divisional surgeon made a first examination of the two bodies, and at once recognized the same symptoms of poisoning which he himself had perceived the evening before on the corpse of Inspector Vero. Next, the detectives took up the bodies and carried them to the adjoining bedrooms, which the father and son formerly occupied on the second floor of the house. The prefect of police then came downstairs, and Don Luis heard him say to the magistrates, "'Poor woman!' she refused to understand. When at last she understood, she fell to the ground in a dead faint." only think her husband and her son at one blow poor thing from that moment perenna heard and saw nothing the door was shut the prefect must afterward have given some order through the outside through the communication with the front door offered by the garden for the two detectives came and took up their positions in the hall at the entrance to the passage on the right and left of the dividing curtain one thing's certain thought don luis my shares are not booming what a state alexandre must be in what a state! At twelve o'clock, Sylvestre brought him some food on a tray, and the long and painful wait began anew. In the study and in the house, the inquiry, which had been adjourned for lunch, was resumed. Perenna heard footsteps and the sound of voices on every side. At last, feeling tired and bored, he leaned back in his chair and fell asleep. It was four o'clock when Sergeant Mazaroux came and woke him. As he led him to the study, Mazaroux whispered, "'Well, have you discovered him?' "'Whom?' "'The murderer!' "'Of course,' said Perenna. "'It's as easy as shelling peas.' "'That's a good thing,' said Mazeroux, greatly relieved, and failing to see the joke. "'But for that, as you saw for yourself, you would have been done for.' Don Luis entered. In the room were the public prosecutor, the examining magistrate, the chief detective, the local commissary of police, two inspectors, and three constables in uniform. Outside, on the Boulevard Suchet, shouts were raised, and when the commissary and his three policemen went out, by the prefect's orders, to listen to the crowd, the hoarse voice of a newsboy was heard shouting, "'The double murder on the Boulevard Suchet! Full particulars of the death of Inspector Vérot! The police at a loss!' Then, when the door was closed, all was silent. Mazeroux was quite right,' thought Don Luis. "'It's I or the other one. That's clear.' unless the words that will be spoken and the facts that will come to light in the course of this examination supply me with some clue that will enable me to give them the name of that mysterious x they'll surrender me this evening for the people to batten on attention lupin old chap the great game is about to commence he felt that thrill of delight which always ran through him at the approach of the great struggles this one indeed might be numbered among the most terrible that he had yet sustained he knew the prefect's reputation his experience, his tenacity, and the keen pleasure which he took in conducting important inquiries and in personally pushing them to a conclusion before placing them in the magistrate's hands. And he also knew all the professional qualities of the chief detective, and all the subtlety, all the penetrating logic possessed by the examining magistrate. The prefect of police himself directed the attack. He did so in a straightforward fashion, without beating about the bush, and in a rather harsh voice which had lost its former tone of sympathy for Don Luis. His attitude also was more formal and lacked that geniality which had struck Don Luis on the previous day. Monsieur, he said, circumstances having brought about that, as the residuary legatee and representative of Mr. Cosmo Mornington, you spent the night on this ground floor while a double murder was being committed here. We wish to receive your detailed evidence as to the different incidents that occurred last night. In other words, Monsieur le Préfet said Perenna, replying directly to the attack. "'In other words, circumstances having brought about that you authorised me to spend the night here, you would like to know if my evidence corresponds at all points with that of Sergeant Mazeroux. "'Yes.' "'Meaning that the part played by myself strikes you as suspicious?' M. de Malion hesitated. His eyes met Don Luis's eyes, and he was visibly impressed by the other's frank glance. Nevertheless, he replied plainly and bluntly, "'It is not for you to ask me questions, monsieur.' Don Luis bowed. I am at your orders, Monsieur le Préfet. Please tell me what you know. Don Luis thereupon, gave a minute account of events, after which M. de Malion reflected for a few moments, and said, There is one point on which we want to be informed. When you entered this room at half-past two this morning, and sat down beside M. Fauville, was there nothing to tell you that he was dead? Nothing, Monsieur le Préfet, otherwise Sergeant Mazeroux and I would have given the alarm. Was the garden door shut? It must have been as we had to unlock it at seven o'clock with what with the key on the bunch but how could the murderers coming from the outside have opened it with false keys have you a proof which allows you to suppose that it was opened with false keys no monsieur le préfet therefore until we have proofs to the contrary we are bound to believe that it was not opened from the outside and that the criminal was inside the house but monsieur le préfet there was no one here but sergeant mazeroux and myself There was a silence, a pause whose meaning admitted of no doubt. M. de Malion's next words gave it an even more precise value. You did not sleep during the night? Yes, toward the end. You did not sleep before, while you were in the passage? No. And Sergeant Mazeroux. Don Luis remained undecided for a moment, but how could he hope that the honest and scrupulous Mazeroux had disobeyed the dictates of his conscience? He replied... "'Sergeant Mazaroux went to sleep in his chair, and did not wake until Madame Fauville returned two hours later. There was a fresh silence which evidently meant, so, during the two hours when Sergeant Mazaroux was asleep, it was physically possible for you to open the door and kill the two Fauvilles. The examination was taking the course which Perenna had foreseen, and the circle was drawing closer and closer around him. His adversary was conducting the contest with a logic and vigour which he admired without reserve.' "'By Jove!' he thought. "'How difficult it is to defend self when one is innocent. "'There's my right wing and my left wing driven in. "'Will my centre be able to stand the assault?' de Malion, after a whispered colloquy with the examining magistrate, "'resumed his questions in these terms. "'Yesterday evening, when M. Fauville opened his safe in your presence and the sergeant's, "'what was in the safe?' "'A heap of papers on one of the shelves, "'and among those papers the diary in a drab cloth which has since disappeared.' you did not touch those papers neither the papers nor the safe monsieur le préfet sergeant mazeroux must have told you that he made me stand aside to ensure the regularity of the inquiry so you never came into the slightest contact with the safe not the slightest m Malion looked at the examining magistrate and nodded his head had perenna been able to doubt that a trap was being laid for him a glance at mazeroux would have told him all about it mazeroux was ashen grey meanwhile m Malion continued "'You have taken part in inquiries, monsieur, in police inquiries. Therefore, in putting my next question to you, I consider that I am addressing it to a tried detective. I will answer your question, monsieur le préfet, to the best of my ability. Here it is, then. Supposing that there were at this moment in the safe an object of some kind, a jewel, let us say, a diamond out of a tie pin, and that this diamond had come from a tie pin which belonged to somebody whom we knew, somebody who had spent the night in this house, what would you think of the coincidence?' "'There we are,' said Perenna to himself. "'There's the trap. It's clear that they found something in the safe, and next that they imagine that this something belongs to me. Good. But in that case we must presume, as I have not touched the safe, that the thing was taken from me and put in the safe to compromise me. But I did not have a finger in this pie until yesterday, and it is impossible that during last night, when I saw nobody, any one can have had time to prepare and contrive such a determined plot against me. So... The Prefect of Police interrupted this silent monologue by repeating, "'What would be your opinion?' "'There would be an undeniable connection between that person's presence in the house and the two crimes that had been committed. "'Consequently, we should have the right at least to suspect the person?' "'Yes.' "'That is your view?' "'Decidedly.' M. Desmalion produced a piece of tissue paper from his pocket, and took from it a little blue stone, which he displayed. "'Here is a turquoise which we found in the safe.' It belongs, without a shadow of a doubt, to the ring which you are wearing on your finger. Don Luis was seized with a fit of rage. He half grated through his clenched teeth. "'Oh, the rascals! How clever they are! But, no, I can't believe—' He looked at his ring, which was formed of a large, clouded, dead turquoise, surrounded by a circle of small, irregular turquoises, also of a very pale blue. One of these was missing, and the one which M. de Malion had in his hand fitted the place exactly. "'What do you say?' asked M. de Malion. "'I say that this turquoise belongs to my ring, which was given me by Cosmo Mornington on the first occasion that I saved his life.' "'So we are agreed?' "'Yes, Monsieur le Préfet, we are agreed.' Don Luis Perenna began to walk across the room, reflecting. The movement which the two detectives made toward the two doors told him that his arrest was provided for. A word from M. de Malion, and Sergeant Mazeroux would be forced to take his chief by the collar." Don Luis once more gave a glance toward his former accomplice. mazeroux made a gesture of entreaty, as though to say, "'Well, what are you waiting for? Why don't you give up the criminal? Quick, it's time!' Don Luis smiled. "'What's the matter?' asked the prefect, in a tone that now entirely lacked the sort of involuntary politeness which he had shown since the commencement of the examination. "'The matter? The matter?' Perenna seized a chair by the back, spun it round, and sat down upon it with the simple remark, "'Let's talk.' And this was said in such a way, and the movement executed with so much decision, that the prefect muttered, as though wavering, "'I don't quite see... "'You soon will, Monsieur le Préfet.' And speaking in a slow voice, laying stress on every syllable that he uttered, he began, "Monsieur le Préfet, the position is as clear as daylight. Yesterday evening you gave me an authorization which involves your responsibility most gravely. The result is that what you now want, at all costs and without delay, is a culprit. And that culprit is to be myself.' by way of incriminating evidence you have the fact of my presence here the fact the door was locked on the inside the fact that sergeant mazeroux was asleep while the crime was committed and the fact of the discovery of the turquoise in the safe all this is crushing i admit added to it he continued we have the terrible presumption that i had every interest in the removal of m fauville and his son inasmuch as if there is no heir of cosmo morningtons in existence i come into a hundred million francs exactly "'There is, therefore, nothing for me to do, Monsieur le Préfet, but to go with you to the lock-up, or else—' "'Or else what? Or else hand over to you the criminal, the real criminal.' The Prefect of Police smiled and took out his watch. "'I'm waiting,' he said. "'It will take me just an hour, Monsieur le Préfet, and no more, if you give me every latitude. And the search of the truth, it seems to me, is worth a little patience. "'I'm waiting,' repeated Monsieur de Malion sergeant mazeroux please tell sylvestre the man-servant that Monsieur le prfet wishes to see him upon a sign from m desmalions mazeroux went out don luis explained his motive Monsieur le Préfet, whereas the discovery of the turquoise constitutes in your eyes an extremely serious proof against me to me it is a revelation of the highest importance i will tell you why that turquoise must have fallen from my ring last evening and rolled on the carpet now there are only four persons, he continued, who can have noticed this fall when it happened, picked up the turquoise, and in order to compromise the new adversary that I was, slipped it into the safe. The first of those four persons is one of your detectives, Sergeant Mazeroux, of whom we will not speak. The second is dead. I refer to M. Fauville. We will not speak of him. The third is Sylvestre, the manservant. I should like to say a few words to him. I shall not take long. Sylvestre's examination, in fact, was soon over." he was able to prove that, pending the return of Madame Fauville, for whom he had to open the door, he had not left the kitchen, where he was playing at cards with the lady's maid and another man-servant. "'Very well,' said Perenna. "'One word more. You must have read in this morning's papers of the death of Inspector Verot and seen his portrait.' "'Yes.' "'Do you know Inspector Verot? "'No. Still, it is probable that he came here yesterday, during the day.' I can't say, replied the servant. M. Fauville used to receive many visitors through the garden and let them in himself. You have no more evidence to give? No? Please tell Madame Fauville that M. le Préfet would be very much obliged if he could have a word with her. Silvestre left the room. The examining magistrate and the public prosecutor had drawn nearer in astonishment. The prefect exclaimed, what monsieur you don't mean to pretend that madame fauville is mixed up monsieur le prfet madame fauville is the fourth person who may have seen the turquoise drop out of my ring and what then have we the right in the absence of any real proof to suppose that a woman can kill her husband that a mother can poison her son i am supposing nothing monsieur le préfet. then don luis made no reply m Malion did not conceal his irritation however he said very well but i order you most positively to remain silent what questions am i to put to madame fauville one only monsieur le prefet ask madame fauville if she knows any one apart from her husband who is descended from the sisters roussel why that question because if that descendant exists it is not i who will inherit the millions but he and then it will be he and not i who would be interested in the removal of m monsieur fauville and his son of course of course muttered monsieur de malion but even so this new trail madame fauville entered as he was speaking Her face remained charming and pretty, in spite of the tears that had reddened her eyelids and impaired the freshness of her cheeks. But her eyes expressed the scare of terror, and the obsession of the tragedy imparted to all her attractive personality, to her gait and to her movements, something feverish and spasmodic that was painful to look upon. "'Pray sit down, madame,' said the prefect, speaking with a height of deference, and forgive me for inflicting any additional emotion upon you but time is precious, and we must do everything to make sure that the two victims whose loss you are mourning shall be avenged without delay. Tears were still streaming from her beautiful eyes, and with a sob she stammered, "'If the police need me, monsieur le Préfet, "'Yes, it is a question of obtaining a few particulars. Your husband's mother is dead, is she not?' "'Yes, monsieur le Préfet. "'Am I correct in saying that she came from St. Etienne, and that her maiden name was Roussel?' "'Yes.' "'Elizabeth Roussel?' "'Yes.' had your husband any brothers or sisters no therefore there is no descendant of elizabeth roussel living no very well but elizabeth roussel had two sisters did she not yes hermeline roussel the elder went abroad and was not heard of again the other the younger the other was called armand roussel she was my mother eh what do you say i said my mother's name was armand roussel and i married my cousin the son of elizabeth roussel The statement had the effect of a thunderclap. So, upon the death of Hippolyte Fauville and his son Edmund, the direct descendants of the eldest sister, Cosmo Mornington's inheritance passed to the other branch, that of Armand Roussel, and this branch was represented so far by Madame Fauville. The prefect of police and the examining magistrate exchanged glances, and both instinctively turned toward Don Luis Perenna, who did not move a muscle. "'Have you no brother or sister, madame?' asked the prefect." no monsieur i am the only one the only one in other words now that her husband and son were dead cosmo mornington's millions reverted absolutely and undeniably to her to her alone meanwhile a hideous idea weighed like a nightmare upon the magistrates and they could not rid themselves of it the woman sitting before them was the mother of edmund fauville m Malion had his eyes on don luis perenna who wrote a few words on a card and handed it to the prefect M. de Malion, who was gradually resuming toward Don Luis his courteous attitude of the day before, read it, reflected a moment, and put this question to Madame Fauville. What was your son Edmund's age? Seventeen. You look so young. Edmund was not my son, but my stepson, the son of my husband by his first wife, who died. Ah, so Edmund Fauville muttered the prefect, without finishing his sentence in two minutes the whole situation had changed in the eyes of the magistrates madame fauville was no longer the widow and mother who must on no account be attacked she had suddenly become a woman whose circumstances compelled them to cross-examine however prejudiced they might be in her favour, however charmed by the seductive qualities of her beauty, they were inevitably bound to ask themselves whether for some reason or other, for instance, in order to be alone in the enjoyment of the enormous fortune, she had not had the madness to kill her husband, and to kill the boy who was only her husband's son. In any case, the question was there, calling for a solution. The prefect of police continued, "'Do you know this turquoise?' She took the stone which he held out to her and examined it without the least sign of confusion." no she said i have an old-fashioned turquoise necklace which i never wear but the stones are larger and none of them has this irregular shape we found this one in the safe said m desmalions it forms part of a ring belonging to a person whom we know well she said eagerly you must find that person he is here said the prefect pointing to don luis who had been standing some way off and who had not been noticed by madame fauville she started at the sight of perenna and cried very excitedly but that gentleman was here yesterday evening he was talking to my husband and so was that other gentleman she said referring to sergeant mazeroux you must question them find out why they were here you understand that if the turquoise belonged to one of them the insinuation was direct but clumsy and it lent the greatest weight to perenna's unspoken argument the turquoise was picked up by some one who saw me yesterday and who wishes to compromise me apart from m. fauville and the detective sergeant only two people saw me silvestre the manservant and madame fauville consequently as silvestre is outside the question i accuse madame fauville of putting the turquoise in the safe m. de malion asked will you let me see the necklace madame certainly it is with my other jewels in my wardrobe i will go for it pray don't trouble madame does your maid know the necklace quite well in that case sergeant Mazeroux will tell her what is wanted End of chapter 4, part 1